Well, good morning, everybody. Do you feel good this morning? Amen. Like we said, we are coming off of our, well, this is our 21st day of, of prayer and fasting, which I don't know about you, but I, I'm pretty happy about that. And, and uh, I, I've, been, I've been spending a lot of time uh, during this fast. I, I, thought about, I thought about coffee quite a bit. Uh, last, last week, somebody, I, I always get to clean up a couple of coffee spills each week, but, but this particular spill was, was very fresh, and uh, I got my carpet cleaner out, you know, after everybody left, and I was, I was bringing that thing up and working it, and, and it just sucks the coffee right out of the carpet, and I mean, and it got into the jug there, and I looked at it, and it was black, and it was even hot a little bit, and steaming. I thought, you know what, I might just take a sip of that right quick. Uh, uh, that that, that kind of goes that kind of goes hand in hand with uh, with my message this morning. I want to preach to you this morning about uh, treasure in earthen vessels. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about coffee. Like one time, one time during this 21-day fast, I caught myself like, I've got a coffee bar. I love coffee so much. Like I've got a couple of different coffee pots and different brands of coffee there hanging out. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm walking by this thing, and I'm just sort of like pacing. And I, I don't even know why, and then I catch myself. I'm like, why am I pacing in front of the coffee bar? And I'm like, I can't drink it. So I start, I start looking at my coffee pots and stuff, and I start cleaning it all. And what I noticed was I had allowed like a, like a coffee film over the the years to kind of get in my get in my coffee pot and I didn't even realize it and so I went in there and started scrubbing the fire out of my coffee pot because I was like when I get back on this coffee I'm gonna drink it clean it's gonna be it's gonna be clean and undefiled it's gonna be fresh so I got my coffee pot in order I got my containers in order and you know the thing is like when you when you think about it I don't know I don't know if you're like this but we, we are a group of people that we really love our containers you agree with that like some of y'all how many this morning you are you brought your own cup or something you know what I'm saying you got like we got we got our own container. If you go into my house, there's there's a couple of things that there's just a ton of, right? And one of them is leather Bibles. They're everywhere. I mean, we I probably got two thousand, three thousand dollars in Bibles. Sadly, I mean, it's 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 kind of a shame. Uh, but 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 at the same time, uh, you know, I've also if you go into my cupboard, I got like fifty coffee mugs or something. Nobody, I mean, if if I took all of y'all home today and gave everybody a cup of coffee, I'd have a different mug for each one of you. And, but, but why do I have that many mugs? I mean, one, one of the things is because I love coffee so much, and so, so there, therefore I love the containers that they come in. But, you know, if, I, if I'm going to use a container, and, and you may be like this too, like you ever went over to somebody's house, and, you, and, you get, and, you, and you're getting ready to get a cup of coffee, and you, and you, grab, you grab a mug. Well, first you look at the mugs because you're like, well, that one's not going to be big enough. And 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 then that one, that I mean, it don't. I want one with like a cool saying on it. If I'm gonna sit there and drink, you know, I want it to be. Maybe, maybe there's a verse of scripture on this thing or something. I want the mug to be right. I want it to fit right. I've even got a particular mug that's like actually really skinny, so it'll fit in my cup holder the right way. Because here's the thing, I got one of those Yetis like all y'all got, but the problem with that Yeti is it keeps my coffee so boiling lava hot for so long that it almost tears my tongue off. And so I want a mug, I want a mug that, I, that the coffee will be hot in the beginning, but it will not be boiling lava hot, so I can drink it, but I can drink it quick as well, you know what I mean? That's what I want. So when I go driving, I don't take a Yeti, I take a big, huge mug. I got one big, huge mug with a rooster on it, right? And uh, I love that mug. Problem is that it started to break down. I've used it so much, it's got cracks in the ceramic, and it looks a little bit dirty. And so, so I, every, I pull it out, and I'll be like... And it just doesn't quite pass the test for me. I put it back up now because it looks a little bit dirty. It's probably not, 
But y'all ever been to somebody's house and you pull the mug down? Nobody ever just pulls the mug down and doesn't look into it. <laughs> Amen. Y'all look into it, don't you? Because you don't know. You, you didn't clean those dishes. Now, my dishes, I know whether or not to clean, but if you got in there and I got like a film of residue, there's one or two things. I'll either judge it and say, well, that's not too bad, and I'll just wipe it out with my finger. <laughs> you know? Or, or, or I'll, say, I'll say, well, no, that's pretty terrible. I'll look and put it back and grab another one. You know? because, because the mug has got the container of the coffee has got to pass the test. I, the coffee is a treasure to me, and I want it coming to me in the right temperature, undefiled, clean, and fresh. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You say, what in the world has this got to do with anything, Clay? Well, I'm going to get to, into some scripture here. And the truth is, is that if you, if you read in scripture, God is kind of the same way. He has a treasure that he wants to put in vessels. When, you, when we use this word vessels, really what you're saying is you're call, it's a container. It's the word that the Bible uses. It's an old-fashioned, old English word uh, that, that the Bible uses to talk about a container. It's a cup or a mug or a vase, something that contains something. And God has a treasure that is far greater than coffee, and he wants to put it in a vessel. And he says that you and I are his vessels that he wants to put this treasure in specifically. And here's what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 9. Notice this. He says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Notice he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And I love the context of how he brings up the earthen vessels. Now, what is he talking about? In earthen vessels, basically what he's just saying is, is that you are a clay pot. In other words, you were made from the earth. When God made humanity, he took the dust of the earth. He, he got a pile of dirt and formed you into a human being and breathed in us the very breath of life. We were made from the dirt because God wanted to be able to plant seed in us that would grow. But see, when you understand, when, when Paul is saying that you are an earthen vessel, he's saying that you, you in, in, in essence, you're weak. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, we, we have this treasure of God in earthen vessels. We have it in our bodies and in our frailty and in our weakness and in our brokenness. And he, and he says it in the context of, look, we, we are messed up. We've got challenges that we face. We've got difficulties. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. Sometimes we get mega confused, but we know at the end of the day that God is going to give us a sound mind. Every now and then people dislike us and we're persecuted, but we know that we are never forsaken by God, that he's with us. We have these challenges. And he says, but that's okay. It's okay okay that you have difficulties. It's okay that you have struggles because you are an earthen vessel. And what matters is not so much the vessel, but the contents that is in the vessel. Amen. It's not so much what, where you came from, what you've done, what you've been through, the challenges that you've experienced. God's saying that does not disqualify you from me, that, from me putting my treasure in you so that all the world can see my glory, can see my goodness, can see my love and see my power. We're broken vessels. We, we, we struggle with things on occasion and we deal with different things. Now notice, I want to read this, these same verses to you in the Passion Translation. It brings it out just a little bit more clearly. It says... Uh, in verse 7, we are like common clay jars 
that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. See, most people have this ideal of a Christian being just flawless and perfect and, and you reach a level of spiritual growth where you never have doubt, you never have fear, you never worry, you never, you never, you never struggle with these things. And the truth is, is that we are always growing and we are pursuing holiness. We want to be pure in art. We want to know God. We want to be set free from the power of our sins. But I don't know about you, but even when I am at my best, there is some lingering challenges on the inside of me. When I get up in the morning and I know it's a Sunday morning and I'm getting ready to preach, what comes to the surface usually in the beginning of my Sunday morning is not how awesome I am and how excited I am about my ability in being able to deliver you a word from God. No, what comes to the surface in those moments is my inadequacies, my weaknesses, my fears, my doubts, me saying, God, I cannot believe you have called me to do this. We're talking about preaching the word of God to people who need to hear about your salvation, who need to hear about your truth. And I'm almost, I'm pretty much, an imbecile how can I do this and God will remind me just like what Paul says he says you know what it's not about these vessels it's not about what we are we're just earthen vessels we're just containers it's not what I've been through or, or, or what I've done in the past it's about the treasure that God has put on the inside of me and there's something that Paul realized he said you know what I would more, more gladly boast in my weaknesses because when I am weak that's when the power of Christ is the strongest in me Amen. And we have to get to that place where we understand that, listen, we have this treasure of God in earthen vessels. Don't allow your inadequacies, your weaknesses, your fears, and your doubts keep you from saying, God, I'm just a container. I'm just a vessel. And even though I'm hard-pressed on every side, I'm still not crushed. Even though I'm persecuted and people look down on me, I am not forsaken. You are with me. So I may struggle every day of my life, but at the end of the day, I know I've got a treasure on the inside of me that you're trying to reveal to the world around me. And that's that's what I'm going to put my faith in. And this was the kind of man that Paul was. I was, I was watching a documentary uh, the other day, and I've read some books about this guy. And, uh, and Martin Luther King Jr., right? It was Martin Luther King Jr. Day there uh, last Monday. And maybe you're familiar with him, maybe you're not. I think everybody is familiar with him to some degree, but most people haven't really studied his life and understood what kind of a man he was. But he had, I, I can listen to some of his sermons and I've done that for the past probably 10 years, honestly, since I've been preaching. And I'll listen to his sermons sometimes, or I'll listen to his speeches. And when I'm listening to this man, I, I, like, like I was watching this documentary, and Andre was just kind of sitting over there. And he, starts, and, he, and he starts in this speech, and I just start weeping. And every time I listen to him, it's like it just it hits a tender spot in my heart. And, and, it's, and I realize that he's do, he's, he recognized many injustices and evils in our society 
And he, and he came out to fight it. And in the beginning, he did it because he, did it because, uh, he, he, was, he was doing something for the people. But he wasn't just doing it for one race. He was doing it for all races because he recognized that there was an evil, many evils. Poverty, racism, injustices that had penetrated the hearts of all Americans. But as he grew and more and more people hated him and more and more people uh, were opposed to him, the FBI wanted him dead. Uh, there, there were all kinds of people that threatened his life. He's going through such such struggles that if you if you talk to his friends and his friends would talk about him that he entered into this like serious depression he was so anxious and fearful and worried that 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 he developed a nervous tick he would he would he would move his head and he developed a nervous tick and 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 it was getting toward the end of his life whenever they said he was just he was so exhausted that that they told him they said look you've been at this for 12 years you need to take a sabbatical and he said some of us aren't going to make it to 50 years old and I've got to do what I've got to do with the time that I've got and he began to recognize that what he was fighting was a spiritual battle and when he spoke there was some, the last speech that he gave he was so exhausted that he was already in bed and he sent his friends. He said, I can't make it. He said, he said I'm going to, you guys go and, 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 make, and, and speak for me on my behalf and, 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 and all this stuff. And they went and people were packed out just waiting on him to come in. And so they called him. They said, man, you got to get your clothes on. You got to come down here and just say something. And he had no plans. But that was when he gave his famous last speech when he essentially, it's almost like he was prophesying the fact that he was going to die soon and he wasn't going to make it. But he had seen that what God had shown him was going to come to pass. And he recognized that it was something far more than just that. It was, there was something spiritual. He, he did see, he saw the coming of the Lord. He saw us together uh, corporately in unity. And he saw that. But See, there was something about it. In his brokenness, in his fear, in his anxiety, it was like when he would stand up and just say, God, I am messed up, but I'm just your vessel. That the anointing of God, he would become a prophet in those moments, and God would give him the words. And when you hear it, there's power on it. There's anointing on it. And when I would listen to that, I would think, my God. And, and, and I remember his friend told him one day, finally toward the end of his life, uh, his friend said, Martin, I noticed that your nervous ticket stopped. And he said, yeah, it stopped. And his friend said, well, what happened? He said, I made my peace with death. And see, that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying we're always bearing in our body the death of the Lord Jesus Christ so that the glory of God would be manifested in us and through us, making our peace with death. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, he said, he said there are two things that you're going to have to overcome if you're ever going to be truly free, and that is the love of wealth and the fear of death. The love of wealth and the fear of death, if you're ever going to be truly free, you have to overcome those things in your life because that death, that death, that fear of death will grip you. And he had settled that in his heart. But see, what it speaks to me is the same thing that Paul is saying, that there, we are just earthen vessels. We have anxiety. We have fear. We have doubt. But there's a place in that where you can just realize and say, you know what? It's okay for me to have these struggles. But what I got to do is understand that I'm just an earthen vessel, even though I'm broken and marred and everything's not fitting right God is shaping this clay he is molding me he's making me stronger and at the end of the day it's not about me on the outside it's about the treasure of Christ on the inside and I've got to allow that to leak into out of my life into others and here's my first point in your notes is that God puts his treasure in a vessel whose treasure is God God puts his treasure in a vessel whose treasure is God. And you want to find out who, uh, what your treasure is very quickly? All you got to do is, is put some pressure in a person's life. 
take something from them. Let them lose a little bit of money. Let them go through a difficult trial. Let them lose something. Let a hardship come into their life. Just like what, what, what Paul said, he was going through hardships. He was being beaten. Some of his friends were being killed. Everywhere that they went, they were being persecuted. But he made this declaration. See, he had an attitude that was different. When he went through trial and circumstances and difficulty, he didn't throw in the towel and say, well, my Lord, God, here I am serving you, doing what you want me to do, and everything's not flawless. I thought if we served you, surely you would do something good for us, but we're just going through difficulty. But no, he had a different attitude. He said, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we are still not crushed. We're persecuted, but God has not forsaken us. God is with us in the midst of these trials, and that attitude, when God sees that attitude, when everything can be stripped from you, when you can lose things and you say, God, you know what? That's okay because at the end of the day, you are my treasure. All of these other things, they mean very little in comparison to me knowing you and you are my treasure. And at some point in our life, if we are going to grow spiritually, what I see a big thing uh, that, that, that people struggle with is that anytime they go through the smallest, smallest difficulty, immediately they're offended at God. Jesus told the parable of the sower and he said, look, there are some people that receive the word of God, man, and when they hear the word of God, they just, it just, they blossom with joy and they say, this is amazing, Christianity is amazing, I love Jesus, and then one difficulty comes and one trial comes, a little bit of persecution comes, and all of a sudden it says immediately they are offended and they fall away. And listen, we've got to get to the point where we don't get offended at God just because we go through difficulty. This world is a war zone, friends. There is death, there is disease, there is loss, there is destruction. And ultimately God has sent us here and put a treasure inside of us that overcomes the powers of darkness, that overcomes the world that defeats the devil's works. We have that treasure on the inside of us and we have to allow that to come forth. But the only way that it's going to come forth is when we are challenged, when we are persecuted, when we do go through difficulties, that we've got an attitude that declares God is still good. We are not forsaken. I am not crushed. I am not destroyed. I've got a treasure in me. I've got a power in me that is greater than the power of this world. Amen. And that's the attitude that has to come into our hearts because God will put his treasure in us when our true treasure is God. Paul, he knew he was one of God's chosen vessels and this is what he was talking about. And he had a spiritual son, Timothy, and he wrote to Timothy and he was teaching him that as God's vessels, we actually have a role to play in our preparation. It's kind of like that coffee cup, man. I had to get that thing prepared, didn't I? I don't, I don't want that thing to be messed up and nasty trying to deliver the good contents of the treasure that's coming to me. I want it to be clean. I want it to be ready. And here's what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. He said, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And notice how he connects that. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Iniquity is really that which is outside of God's design and purpose for your life. It's outside of God's design and purpose for your life. Now what's happening in, in, in the American church is, is we're moving into a place where, well, listen, we want to be open to all people. We want anybody, regardless of their background or where they've been or what sin they've committed, we want them to, to come in and we are open to them. We want them to sit down at our table. But here's what you have to understand is that there is a place in becoming a Christian that he says if you name the name of Christ and you profess Christ of, as your Lord, you are not staying in your iniquity any longer. You 
you are choosing to depart from iniquity. That word depart is a word, it's like, it's like antihistamine. It means that you repel it and that you take a position and a stand saying, no longer am I living outside of God's design and purpose for my life. I'm taking a stand and departing from those things that once were against God in my life that I've realized this is not what it is. And if I name the name of Jesus, this is what I've got to do. I've got to depart from it. But here's what he says in verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver. So you got nice vessels, kind of like my rooster coffee cup. And then you also got vessels of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the dishonorable things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified or set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Then he says, verse 22, Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And so number two in your notes, a vessel that seeks to honor God will cleanse itself from dishonorable things. A vessel that seeks to honor God will cleanse itself from dishonorable things. Now when you read in Scripture about cleansing, for example, the, the Scripture says it like this, we've got the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. You realize that. When I, when I confessed my sin to Jesus, Scripture says that if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, right? There is a cleansing effect with the blood of Jesus that takes all of my sin, everything that I did in my past, and the blood of Jesus cleanses me from that sin, and no longer is it active in my life, and I'm free from the penalty of that sin because of what the blood of Jesus does. But notice this, once the blood of Jesus is applied to my life and I'm no longer under the penalty of sin, see, He's talking about now I have to cleanse myself because just because I got saved 15 years ago and the blood of Jesus cleansed me and washed me from my sin does not mean that in my daily walk I'm not picking up defilements on a daily basis that is not affecting my salvation but is affecting my communion and relationship with God. See, people can be under the blood and be forgiven and, and washed of their past sins, but if you are still walking in those sins, it is affecting your relationship with God and it is affecting the kind of vessel you are being for the kingdom of God. There's a treasure that God wants to put in you, but the same way that I ain't going to put my coffee in a coffee cup that there's mold in, God is saying, I need that vessel to be cleansed. I need it to be purified. And a man who seeks or a woman who seeks to say, God, I want to honor you, he says they begin to cleanse themselves from dishonorable things. So the blood of Jesus cleanses me once and for all from the penalty of sin and the sins of my past. But on a daily basis, I've got to cleanse myself with the water of God's word, with a prayer life with communion with the Holy Spirit, with continual turning from attitudes and behaviors that are defiling my life. and from I need to guard my ears and I need to guard my eyes and watch what's coming into this vessel because I want to keep it pure. I want to keep it washed. I want to keep it cleansed. And he says there's a participation in your daily walk with God and keeping your vessel clean and keeping your vessel pure. You've got to participate with this. Notice what it says in the message translation. Sometimes I like reading these just so it makes better sense to you. In verse 20 and 21 in the message translation, it says, In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets. Some containers used to serve fine meals, others to take out the garbage. Become the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to His guests 
for their blessing. God is saying, look, you ain't no garbage can. Amen. You are not a garbage can. You are, you are a special vessel that God has formed and fashioned to put his gifts into, to put his love into, to put his joy, to put his peace into. And he has designed you in such a way that he says, look, you got to make sure that you don't just let anybody come into your life and begin to put garbage in your life. Amen. I have to guard myself. He says, look, Timothy, you need to flee youthful lusts. You need to flee youthful lusts and become the kind of container that God can put what he needs to in, in, in you. He needs, you need to pursue righteousness. You need to pursue love. You need to pursue faith with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. A lot of times when we connect ourselves with people who are not calling on the Lord out of a pure heart, they're going down a different way. You've got to recognize that this is the path that is going in, going in my life, and I need to flee those youthful lusts. Now, a lot of times when we t talk about youthful lusts, people say, well, you know, we talk about sex and alcohol. Well, those are two things, right? Amen. Those are two things that we, we really struggle with. We talk, in, in our community, in every community, I would say sexual sin is, is so rampant nowadays that it just become, it's, it's become the norm. I told somebody, we, we preached a message here a couple years ago, and we were talking about pornography, and we, there was a statistic. This was kind of funny, but, but I didn't like it. There was a statistic that said, you know what, one in every two pastors look at pornography once a month, and somebody, somebody came up to me in after and said, well, if that's true, either you or Donald, one's looking at porn. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> Not. But the point of the matter is, is that we, we, we're, we're in, a, in, a, in a culture that is so highly sexualized that, man, it is difficult for us to even teach our children and our young people that purity is an important thing, that purity is, is how God's designed it. And if that you are going to experience the greatest measure of joy in your life, it's not going to come from you having sex with any and everybody. It's going to come from you saving your sexual purity for the person that you love and God has placed into your life so that you don't bring 20 other people into your relationship with you and you wonder why it's so hard to stay married to together because God designed you for one purpose person now that does not mean if you failed or, or, or struggled in your past that God cannot redeem you forgive you of your sin empower you to live differently but you've got to recognize those youthful lusts and say I'm not going that direction anymore I'm turning I'm fleeing those things and I'm gonna get connected with people who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart they're not fake Christians but they're real Christians who want to live in purity who want to live for God who want to maintain holiness and who want to be a clean and a pure vessel that the Holy Spirit can flow through. I want to connect with people like that. Amen. I want to get together with people who are saying, you know what, we're not here to judge other people who are struggling with things, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and mine, I'm going to walk in purity. As for me and mine, the statistics about one in every two men in the church, that look at point, it ain't going to be in this church. We're coming out of that statistic. We're saying we're living in purity. We're going to be a vessel that God can fill, his, fill with his spirit so that we can change a community. You cannot and we will not change a community community or a nation or anybody else if we struggle with the same impurities that the rest of the world does. There is no change that you're going to bring. So we're not here to judge the world. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to make sure that my vessel is pure and clean and fit for the master's use and allowed to be filled with his Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. My heart's beating a little bit. So we want to flee from those things. And when we talk about youthful lusts, some things that I, that I feel that creep up when we talk about youthful lusts is the lust for money. 
the desire for honor and recognition, even in my own heart sometimes, I feel this, this nasty. It's just like what Martin Luther King Jr. says, you, you know, that there's, there's, you, gotta, you have got to overcome the love of wealth. Wealth is not God. Money is not God. You can't serve two masters. And you can't take your treasures to heaven with you. And there's, but there's this lust when we're young for wealth and for fame and for popularity and for more money. And at any cost, man, get more money. And, and, it, and it will just end up destroying you. And there's a lust for power. Even in the church, there are people that are control freaks. And that's why we have division all the time in our churches because there's a, a youthful lust for power. And you know the thing that I notice is sometimes it's not just a youthful lust. Somebody amen me on that. Because even when you get old, you still have these, you still have these struggles and it gets in there and, 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 and these things come in. But these are things that we've got to flee. And see, sometimes the greatest way to flee one thing is to pursue another. The greatest way to flee your biggest bondages is to pursue Jesus headlong. Sometimes we get so caught up in quitting the evil in our lives that we forget to pursue Jesus. And if you pursue Jesus, you're going by nature flee the other junk in your life. And you got to say, you know what? I'm going to go after one thing in 2020. We talk about 2020 vision. And you know what? If you're going to get a vision, get a vision of Jesus Christ. You don't need just another strategy. You need Jesus at the forefront of your life saying every day, every morning, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm going after him. Now, there's an Old Testament story that teaches us this same exact principle that I'm talking about. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Let's just read it verse by verse here. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So, this woman, well, Elisha in that, in that particular time, he was, the, he was the greatest prophet in Israel at that particular time. He had been raised up under Elijah, and there were this group called the, the, the Sons of the Prophets or the School of the Prophets. And these, these men would follow Elijah around. They followed Elisha around, and they were learning how to be prophets, generally to be spokesmen for God on his behalf. And, and this woman says, you know what? There was my husband. He was one of the sons of the prophets. You knew him. He was your servant. And, and he's died. And the creditor is coming in to take my sons and enslave them. Here's essentially what she's saying. She's saying, I'm broke now. I don't have any money. We don't have any support. And the creditor is coming in to enslave my sons. That's what they would do. If you couldn't pay your bills, then the creditor was going to come in and enslave your sons. Now, here's, here's what, what's very interesting to me is that I believe we're in a new generation generation that, that, there, there's a, that there's a new generation emerging. There's a lot of transitioning happening. People moving into new positions. But what we've got to understand is that when the enemy starts to see that and he sees that a new generation is emerging and maybe even an old generation is moving on, he says, here's my opportunity to step in and to try to enslave the next generation. And sometimes the, my fear, and Donald talks about this all the time, but we get to the place in the church where we're only thinking about ourselves and we're not thinking about the next generation. But I can promise you this. If there's somebody that is thinking about the next generation, it's Satan. He is looking to enslave our children from the get-go. He wants to cause divorces in our families. He wants to bring drugs and addiction into your children. He's, your, your children are going into school. And because you're not teaching them in the home, you're allowing the world and the school system to teach them philosophies that are leading them into bondage and to enslavement. 
Amen. And what's happening is Satan is looking to enslave our children before we have an opportunity to really allow them to know God and for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit because we're not taking control of that. And so Elisha in verse 2 said uh, said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Otherwise he's saying, Look, don't you have something in the house you can sell? Ain't you got some leather-bound Bibles or some coffee mugs that you can sell and make a little bit of extra cash and, 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 and keep your sons from being enslaved and she said no I have nothing but one jar of oil in the house he asked her what's in the house and I here's here's what I love about this when I pray I don't know about you but when I pray I told Andrea this the other day I will get in a place because I recognize my weaknesses I recognize how I cannot get there's so many things in this church I promise you I ain't I cannot get it done and that's why I say thank you volunteers and thank you people who choose to serve the Lord in whatever capacity that you do because I'm telling you it does not go unnoticed in the kingdom of God. But I'll, I'll tell you this right now. When I pray and I say, God, I can't get this done. I need help in this area. You know what I notice? I notice that the answer to my prayer is already among us. And what God ends up doing is he ends up pouring his treasure based on my prayer into one of you vessels and he gives them an idea and he gives them this motivation to step forward and say, you know what, I'm going to serve in this capacity. I feel like God might be calling me to do this. And through my prayers, God releases his treasure into you, motivates you, moves you, and you become the answer to my prayer. That's how God works. The answer is already in our house. What we need for our community, I believe that already probably the answer is right here in our midst. We are the answer, friends. We are the answer. The question is, is whether or not we will allow God to fill us and use us the way that he wants to use us. And she says, the only thing that I have is a jar of oil. Now, throughout Scripture, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. You say amen to that. My third point, my last point, is that human vessels are designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Human vessels are designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, some people say, well, you know, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like I'm less human and I'm, and I'm more God. No, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you've never been more human in your entire life. You're less human when you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You were designed by God as a human being to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, that just don't make sense to me. We say, well, I'm only human. You know who was the perfect human? Jesus Christ. And when he came, he said, you know what humans are supposed to look like? You know what humans were designed to act like? You know what humans were designed to live like? Like this. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. He was the perfect vessel, the flawless vessel that was perfectly filled with the Holy Spirit. I was reading this and I was thinking about the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, and, and how the oil represents the Holy Spirit. Zechariah the prophet Sometimes you get prophetic people and, and they say some things and you think, well, man, that's just weird. What in the world is going on there? That's just, that's just weird. That don't make much sense at all. And, uh, and, but, but prophets saw some strange and interesting things. And, and one of the prophets, Zechariah, he saw this vision. And this vision was seven lampstands and these, these pipes going into these lampstands and a bowl at the top of this lampstand and two olive trees on each side. And out of the olive trees, these, this oil was flowing into these vessels. And he said, what do you see, Zechariah? Zechariah said, well, I, that's what I see. I see these two olive trees, oil flowing down in this lampstand. And, and he said, well, what is that? And that Zechariah said, I don't know what it is, Lord. What is it? And the Lord said to him, 
Zechariah, this is the word of the Lord saying unto you that it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, God is saying that he is calling you into something that you will not be able to fulfill in your own power, in your own strength, in your own might. What God calls us into as Christians and as a body of Christ will not be fulfilled without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. We have got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to understand the work of the Holy Spirit and we cannot deny the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Even in the beginning when God decided, you know what, I'm going to choose a vessel and I'm going to use him to bring a change to the nation of Israel. He would call on somebody. He, he called upon David and when he called upon David, they came and anointed him with oil and when that oil was poured on him on his head, it says, and the Holy Spirit came upon him and did not and was with him from that day forward. And then he could go forward and do things in great bold faith and slay a giant with a stone. He could play a guitar and demons would flee. There was an anointing on his life. And he was a type of Christ because when Christ came, he came and the scripture says that he was filled with the spirit without measure and he came and he resisted the, 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 the temptations of the enemy and when he appeared on the scene, he said, he read Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, right? He's sent me to preach recovery of sight to the blind, to set the captives free, to open the prison doors to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And man, he was so full of the Holy Spirit that when he walked into a room, demons cried out and said, Who are you? We know who you are, the Son of God. What do we have to do with you? Have you come to torment us before the time? He was so full of the Holy Spirit that people would just walk up and touch his clothes and they would be healed instantly from the anointing and the power that was on his life. He was the perfect vessel. And here's what you've got to understand. Twelve steps steps, programs, all the things that we can bring into the church, they're good. We're not against them. But I'm telling you what, we can have everything that you could imagine. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. We are designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's what we're made for. The reason anybody, any Christian is able to do what they do is because the Holy Spirit lives in them. And that's what brings about real change. So in verse 3, he says, here's what you got to do. If all you got is a vessel of oil, one vessel of oil... He says, then go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, but the oil had ceased. He says, look, you only got a jar. He said, all you got to do is you got to go and borrow as many vessels as you can. In other words, he's saying, look, you have the ability to have as much oil as you want as long as you are willing to provide a vessel for me. If you will go and get vessels, I, the oil will not cease. And I'm telling you right now, God wants us to be full of the Spirit to capacity. He wants us to produce love and joy and peace, and He wants it to be full in our life. Joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. He wants the gifts of the Spirit to manifest, not so we can say we're a cool church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit, but that so people can be set free and hear the voice of God. This ain't about us being cool. It's about people hearing the voice of God, and it's about people having an encounter with God, and without the Holy Spirit, they're not going to have one. 
The Holy Spirit is, yeah, he says, go and get, get as many vessels as you can. And see, as a church, here's what you've got to understand. God wants to pour out his, his spirit on us. And our first responsibility is to make sure that I'm a clean vessel. To make sure that I'm a willing vessel, that I'm surrendered and I say, God, I don't want anything else to be, I don't want to be filled up with any other garbage in my life. I want to be clean, I want to be purified, and I want to be completely open so that you can use me however you want to use me. I remember I was so afraid to do things when I first got into ministry. And, 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 and you know what? Just Part of it was because of my past. Part of it was just my fears of stepping into anything. But what, is she, what does he say? He says, when you get those vessels, he says, go in and shut the door. Because there's got to be a time in your life. There's a time in every Christian's life when they get sick and tired of their old habits and behavior. And they say, this is hindering my relationship with God. These relationships that I've got in my life that aren't good, that aren't leading me any closer to God, i got to shut the door on that thing. This pornography that I'm struggling with, i got to shut the door on that thing. This bad attitude that I continue to have, i got to shut the door on that. Me mistreating my spouse, it's time that i got to shut the door on this thing. My negativity that is constantly in my mind, this fear, I'm shutting the door on this thing. I'm getting alone with God, and I'm saying, God, I'm an open vessel. I'm willing. Would you feel me now? And as long as there was a vessel, the oil kept flowing. And the oil kept flowing. You got to make sure that you're a clean vessel. But the second thing you got to do is you got to make sure you're going and getting other vessels. If, if, the, if our church and our community, every church, has to make sure that they're actively seeking other vessels. And I don't care what that vessel looks like. You may look at a vessel. I, look, I go, sometimes I get connected with people I'm talking to, and I'm thinking, my God, Lord, I don't know if you can do anything with this person or not. And then the Lord will give me a flashback and remind me of where I was when I was about 17 years old. And he'll say, I don't know if you realize this or not, Clay, but you were a broken, jacked up vessel that was shattered on the ground that looked terrible. But I picked you up and I started to glue you back together and I made the pieces fit and work together and then all of a sudden I added an extra layer to you and I started to smooth some rough edges out and then all of a sudden I made you a little bit better I made you a little bit stronger and then I started to put my oil in you and people started to see God doing something in your life and they said man only God could do this that Clay Bishop he was a nutcase something was wrong with that boy See, this is what God does. So it don't matter what the vessel looks like on the outside because we're just, they're just earthen vessels. God will clean that vessel with his blood. He will wash it with his word. He'll put his spirit in it, and he will use them to bring transformation to lives and to our community. But we've got to go after those vessels. Let me tell you something. Satan hates your body. He hates your vessel, and he knows one thing. He says, you know what? If I cannot stop the spirit, if I cannot stop the spirit from doing what it wants to do, I tell you what I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to defile some vessels. I'm going to have to get some nasty, nasty coffee mugs. He said, I got to get after that. That's what he did with Jesus. He saw the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus and he said, you know what we got to do? We've got to destroy that vessel. And they beat him and they whipped him and they nailed him to a cross and he was marred, the scripture says, beyond recognition. He was broken. The perfect vessel was broken and flawed so that our flawed and broken vessels could be made whole. And that's what Jesus did. The reason you can be filled with the Holy Spirit is because the last Adam, the Son of God, Christ Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're a new creation when you put your faith in Jesus. And he's saying, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When God chooses, that the, 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 reason, the reason people people are able, the Holy Spirit wants to do crazy stuff, y'all. 
He wants to see people healed. He wants to see many saved. He wants to see so many delivered. It's not about what God wants to do. He wants it done. He wants His will done on earth as it is in heaven. But the question is, does He have willing and surrendered vessels who say, God, I'm laying it all down. I'm closing the door on some stuff, and I'm saying, fill me with your spirit and use me how you want to use me. That's what it comes down to. I want you to stand to your feet with me. bow our heads for a moment now some of you I feel like probably a lot of us we're, we're, we're right on that edge and we've been praying we've been fasting and, 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 and seeking the Lord and I know probably more than more than any time that we've done it corporately this this time I feel like people were more engaged than ever before and I think that's amazing and I believe that right now God is ready to just fill people with his spirit I just believe that with all my heart and I want you to come into a place right now where you have faith for that that you have faith to say God I'm ready I need something new I need something fresh I don't want to go through the motions I want to be filled with your spirit I want transformation I'm open and I'm willing. And sometimes to be willing and to demonstrate that, it may just be that where you're at, you begin to lift your hands as a sign of surrender, just where you're at. Or maybe you come around this altar and you begin to pray. But in some way, you respond as an act of faith to say, God, fill me with your spirit. Change my heart. I want to see you move in my life. Won't you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Let's pray together. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord God, we just, we just open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. And God, we ask you to fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. We want to close the door, God, on some of the impure things, the attitudes, the thoughts, Lord Jesus, the things that we've been in bondage to. We want to close the door on those. And we want to begin to move in another direction. And Lord, we want to surrender afresh to you. And we want to cry out right now, God, and say, fill us right now with your Holy Spirit. I want you to say it for yourself. The scripture says that the Father, if your Father's on earth being evil, know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So I want you to ask Him right now, right out of your own mouth. Say, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Purify my heart. Break me, break, break these chains off of my life. Set me free. God, from the bondages and the attitudes and the behavior, God, that's holding me back. And Lord, if there's a relationship in my life that needs to be cut off, God, cut it off, Lord. I want to be a willing vessel, a pure and a clean vessel, purified and fit for the Master's use, Lord. We're open to you, God. We are open to you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I want you to just stay right there in that posture of worship. I finished this sermon early.